here's my question. Should everyone be allowed or invited to play D&D? Oh, um because my answer is just a complete no. Yeah. I don't I don't want to sound mean, but like no. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of the setting. Like if you're at a big like event, like you should let everyone partake. But if you're if you're creating a setting, if you're creating an event for yourself, like every Tuesday we play D&D, then no everyone is not welcome like like if everyone brought whoever they wanted if it was like a, a facebook public event Ugh. it'd be a nightmare i don't like any of those three words <laughs> facebook public event <laughs> Welcome to Vox Arcana. I'm William. I'm Jake. I'm David. And this is a podcast about tabletop RPGs, game design, and advice for all game masters. This is episode 56, Starting an Open Table. Okay, David and Jake, I have some problems with D&D. In fact, no, I'm, no. Not, I'm not the only person with these problems. No! Every person who plays D&D has these problems. Can you guess what they might be? Like, what is the uh, biggest... Campaign villain outside of the game of D and D. Your players. Not enough snacks. <laughs> Not enough. Well, yes. What else? Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say inconsistency. Mm-hmm. Uh, real mm-hmm. life is the biggest villain. It's like unforeseen circumstances. Um, Getting Just, in the you know, way. Real life is the is the true big bad. Yes, of most D and D sessions. We've seen those memes where it says the real fantasy of D and D is having four reliable friends, getting a good <laughs> night's sleep, um, yeah, whatever. Yeah, getting yeah. a full long rest, <laughs> getting eight hours of sleep each night. Um, the real life is the biggest danger to a D and D group, and That's that includes so like getting your friends together regularly can be a, a huge challenge especially as you get older up in years jake you know your hip starts to hurt your bills start to stack up next thing you know you're working three jobs i'm 25 uh yeah well that'll happen your time will come <laughs> can't hear very well you don't see very well next Hello? thing you know your teeth are falling out you know it just it builds <laughs> we're off track a lot um cancellations uh, people who are like last minute, oh sorry bro, can't make it, got a flat tire. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, they always say the three woes for some reason. Um, okay, hold on. I'd like to confront how you guys handle that. Is that something you go like, no problem, bro, or is it like seriously, man? So or like, like, what is what is the kind of range of of reactions to that? Oh, so here's one point on the range of reactions. So we ran a very, I think, a very successful Tomb of Annihilation game last summer what would you say david like with the the boys high school yeah <clears throat> yeah we ran a very successful tomb of annihilation game but the group refused to play if any one player couldn't make it and that was not my oh. call it would be like in the, t- the group chat like hey sorry guys i can't do it i got like lots of homework or whatever and they're like okay we'll see you next week and we just wouldn't play and i'm like so we literally could have played almost twice as many games if yeah. we had not oh, been so strict on that and because I that, I don't care like we I just let's just play, yeah. Wow. So so my group is the opposite, right? Like, yeah. I don't think we've been talking about doing an episode on like how to handle absent players, and I'm not good at that because we play so often, and like when one person misses, it's kind of this like, all right, we won't <laughs> do this week. Um, you just don't play. And, no, because because that rarely happens. 
Like that happens probably a few times per year because um, everyone's so committed to your yeah, game. The consistency. Yeah, because you have perfect players. <laughs> That's really true. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's it's sort of um, especially when there's like the you know big role playing moments and stuff. It's like. I don't want to be like, hey, I'm Zargnok. He's normally played by my friend, but it's me this week. Like, <laughs> I I can do that if there's not a lot of role-playing, but a lot of my games, especially the more urban ones, have a lot of role-playing, so it's hard to to play a game without someone. No, and that's that's what I'm saying for my Tomb game, is that it was, they would just cancel if one person can't make it. So, um, yeah. I would have rather just always had the game rolling. So what is a man to do? The truth is you really can't do much about um, real life. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, but if like, somebody is like, hey, like my so-and-so, my girlfriend, my wife's in the hospital this week, um, or I'm in the hospital with this week, you're like, well, okay, you idiot, you need to come to my game or else. Like, no, like we're, we're understanding. Um, but there's a solution I learned about that is sweeping my house and it's called an open table. Ooh. Okay, I, I, I'm I'm very interested because yeah, I, I've I've felt the whole, I yeah. How do you guilt someone and be like, hey, listen up, bub, you got one left, you got one miss left, or else you're out of here. Um, it, it's hard to kind of like um, enforce a no miss policy. It's hard to enforce a attendance. Uh, yeah, yeah, any kind of attendance policy without feeling like a like a jerk. Um, well, and so yeah, this is this is the honest answer of how you address that. I think yeah, I think that there's like this is the solution, or it's to set your expectations up front. Like mm-hmm. you know, if you like you know say to your players like I want to run a consistent campaign that with a closed table where I have people attending, you know, every week. And, you know, I understand if you miss a week, but, you know, I want this to be a commitment for you guys mm-hmm. because you're going to be just as committed to it. So I think that, like, that just comes in with setting expectations. And if you do have a player who is, like, constantly, like, missing. Flaky. flaky like, talk to them about it. See where they're at. Because odds are if they're, if they're flaking that much, they're probably not that into it. Or, they're, or they're, they're genuinely busy in a way that means they shouldn't. Or they're gen- yeah, yes. yeah. Or like they either don't know how to say no because they they always want to be a part of things, or they aren't that interested. And either way, that's it's pretty easy to find out by talking to them. And I think that you can have that conversation without hurting people's feelings. Yeah, and so for all the people out there who are running five E games, and this is solid advice, but yeah. the bottom line is you still might find yourself uh, at certain Short weeks with players. with only one or two players showing up, yeah. or um, or canceling games, and so here we go with uh, the open table. So I learned about this from a blog called the Alexandrian, written by a guy named Justin Alexander. The um, the blog is, uh, is actually very old. It's from August 15th, 2016, when he uh, uh, posted these blogs. The core idea comes from this analogy of imagine you're really into baseball and you want to have a little baseball team that meets once a week and you have a little, you know, you have a team because you're not professional and you're not in school anymore, so you have to make it happen yourself. Well, what if, like, how do you go about recruiting people for that team? Do you say, 
hey, you're pretty cool. Like, why don't you come to our practice? We practice um, like once a week. We have a game twice a month. Uh, you're, it's basically a year-long commitment. Uh, you know, it's all these hours. Like, here's hundreds of hours we're asking from you. Because people would say no, right? Um, the same thing is with D&D. Like, hey, we're going to meet now every week. And if you miss, like, we're going to kick you out of the game. And it's going to be huge problems. Uh-huh. Right? It's yeah. it's pretty intense to, to ask somebody that, to... Yeah, to get a team. new player to commit to, like, a long campaign is, it's just a weird ask, mm-hmm. like, in general. Like, if you think about, like, things that you would you would ask someone to do that, you know, they might not even be interested in, like, to to fully, like, hey, I'm, I'm starting a D&D game, but, like, I want to make sure you're there every week. But then they go a few times and they're like, you know what, I don't really like this. Yeah, like, which is totally valid and acceptable. And, that, and, and that's totally fine. So, like, I think that that's where you know the open table comes in um all right so uh, the alexandrian in his blog post which you can go read uh, just google the alexandrian uh open table is this concept of playing catch and that is you to get somebody into baseball you don't start by putting them in a position on a team you just start by playing catch with them because playing catch is fun right you can talk and hang oh, out yeah. and, and you're just playing catch it's it's very low level fun yeah, but this you don't even need a glove <laughs> it's all free folks yeah um and the idea behind this is that he wants a very simple rule set and a very simple campaign concept which i'll explain later and that is how you play catch and which is by just giving people entry-level D experiences not a lot of pressure the cool thing is that it's low player commitment meaning that um then as i'm going to keep explaining this stuff an open table has a large rotating cast of players, and if so, if somebody makes it, you just roll in the next person. And this means that somebody doesn't have to feel guilty about like, hey, look, I have a medical emergency in my family this week. You're like, no, that's fine. Like, we're gonna roll in the next person. It makes okay, okay. it easy. So, so going back to the playing catch metaphor, how do you go about that process without it seeming like a tryout, which it kind of really is. I guess. Um, well, so if we're testing for player interest, because they're doing, they're doing something they've never done, and I don't even know if they're going to like it. Uh-huh. And you're testing to see their level of commitment, because maybe they always have better things to do than hang out with you on Tuesday or whatever. Um, it is like a tryout, but it doesn't matter because you've always got more people interested in trying out, because you can ask a lot of people to play um, because the pressure's low. Because there is no commitment. You're just like, hey, show up. We're going to play this week. If you don't like it, like, never play again. Like, we don't care. And if they do, then you have a new regular player. Huh. Interesting. So, yeah, there isn't... I, I guess the low stakes make it not pressure. I, I guess every time I'm recruiting for, like, you know, one of my players moves away or something like that, I'm like, oh, my gosh, the stakes are kind of high. That there are kind of, like, a tryouts feel for it. Mm-hmm um to where like and almost i don't feel bad about it because it's like i'm like if you don't like pressure then like i don't want you on in my table exactly no no no. the the tryout process especially for me is i mean it's very intense like the the new guy when when the old guy left two years ago and we got the new guy um it was the, the tryout like i made it bad like like i made it purposefully intense it was Facebook message. They, I was talking to my friend, and he just added him to the message to make it a group message. 
And I just said, hey, you're in a tavern. This is what you see. What do you do? Wow. Like, via in the message. <laughs> and he, like, he reacted. And, and like, we, we did kind of the scene via message. And afterwards, I was like, okay. Like, kind of, you pass. Hmm. And, and it was really interesting. I was like, okay, yep. And, and now he's been in <laughs> our, our thing for two, two and a half years. And it's been fantastic. But, yeah, there was this kind of, like, I, I don't want him to be like, oh, my gosh, this is so awkward and pressure. Like, like I want him to be like, oh, I see this. I react this way. Like, yeah, I wanted that pressure to be up front. Um, but that is a completely different thing that, yeah, but this is a different – this is like tryouts for like a, a more purposeful table. This is something different. Well, no. So I think it's worth discussing – because um, I was going to ask you like how you recruit in general for your games, Jake. But it's, I think you just kind of answered it. Is there has there been any other part of the process that's been dramatically different? No, it's really just like okay, like normally I'll know someone who is kind of like next in line, um, and if not, I'll I'll message my players like, do you know anyone next in line? Or especially if you know some of my players will be gone for the summer. I'll be like, do you guys know anyone for, that once you know is down for some one shots, um, whatever it is? There's this there's this process of, yeah, I don't know. There is kind of this waiting list though, yeah. Um, of like I have two or three people that are kind of in the wings, um, but yeah, I, I definitely don't want it to be like, oh, bring bring anyone, man. Because <laughs> people will show up and be like, wait, what? <laughs> Dice? Math? I, I don't know. I just like I, – I, I've heard enough stories to, to, to know the vetting process well enough. And what about you, David? How do you recruit for a game? I wait until I find players that I want to play with. And I think that's pretty normal actually. That's, yeah, that's probably the standard, yeah. That's the, that's the standard. I don't – I, th- I think that I don't is know. the I'm... norm. I'm not. But I think there's a lot of people with that mindset who haven't played D&D in a long time. Mm. True. Yeah, and then they just never find people that they're even willing to ask. Or, or they may never meet anyone they like enough to ask. I'm just, like, not super desperate to start a big campaign because it is an investment on my part. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'll just uh, I'll just clown around and wait until... Uh... Until you get invited? <laughs> well, wait. Okay, like... I'm now seeing the kind of beauty of this, of the, the open I, I don't know, like, so me, like, playing D&D is this very serious thing, mm-hmm. where it's like, people ask, and they're like, oh, you play D&D, and I'm like, yeah, but like, there's never this open invitation when I see a cool person be like, oh, you play D&D, like, I'm like, yeah, but there's never this like, yeah, you want to play? Hmm. It's always like, yeah, I play on this day, and the table's full. And and this, what you're talking about, is this um, – it's not this pressure tryout. It's this constant tryout of everyone you meet mm-hmm. of being like, I don't have a friend group. Like, I have a group of friends that occasionally hang out with me. Right. And so it's like Dungeons & Dragons isn't like this, yep, my group's full, get in line. It's, hey, you want to play? You want to play catch? <laughs> yeah. And this is – yeah, I, I guess like I get it now. Yeah, like that's the. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you're seeing it's... the beauty of the open table. Yeah, Jake. yeah, because it's, it's incredible. I think the thing with like closed tables is you get this just like you get a, a very closed group of people, and it's you you're you're mm-hmm. with the same group of people, and it's for and it's years possibly for years potentially. Yes, and 
I don't think that there's anything wrong with having, you know, a bunch of friends that you like to play with and, you know, have, a, mm-hmm. you know, a long campaign with. But for me, like, I enjoy, you know, meeting new people mm-hmm. and being able to uh, do more, like, things and to, to have more opportunities to try new, you know, games or do stuff like that and to commit to a big campaign. Like, that, that does eat up a big, you know night during the week if you want to run a weekly game right and it's it's something where it's it's hard to include new people in a hobby like that if you are in a very closed group closed campaign you know you're you're in a specific world that you've been there for several years so to have an open table is is a it's a great solution because it's something that you know you can pick up whenever and just be like hey like we're gonna do a game night play some D, hang out something chill yeah and and then you you don't have to worry about the pressure of starting a big campaign or you know having to prepare for you know the next few months of you know games and all of that and you can bring in new people and you know you know maybe you do find a group that you want to play with for you know a big campaign and that's great but at the same time you you also don't have to worry about committing to something and then being stuck with it for a while because you you've already kind of agreed to it Yes, and I think that's a pretty frightening aspect because I've been invited to groups and we've played one or two sessions and I'm like, Ugh, like this isn't really for me, but like I want them to go on without me, but I, I hate the feeling of like they're they're going to reconfigure the entire campaign now. Me be- being the straw that breaks the camel's back. Yes, and it's there's a lot of pressure on that. Yeah. Um, the next thing you need to know about an open table is that it's, um, well, basically 5e and other games because um, even like the recently re-released um what's what's it called it's it's a sci-fi game the witcher team is making it keanu reeves is in it um oh cyberpunk cyberpunk yes that's a big one right now and there's certain types of games that fit better or worse for this type of game the alexandrians suggest using the old school DD rules which is like um the original DD, the three little brown books or the version right after it one of the uh, like uh, white box red box blue box one of those um and the reason being because the entire philosophy of those games requires very little prep by the GM. It's huh. uh, it uses what's called a tentpole dungeon, uh, more traditionally known as a mega dungeon. But a tentpole tentpole dungeon, think of it as this is the pole that holds up your entire campaign. So although it is a central focus, there are still many places to go: haunted forests, mansions, whatever. Um, mm. It's not just like we only do the dungeon and we only go to this one town. Um, and I'll explain in my experience how that's worked, which, uh, spoiler, it's worked very well. Um, and then, as we discussed, like because you're running a more basic game, there's less for players to learn, and it's less intimidating to learn. Um, but the cool thing is it filters out who is fun to play with, and more importantly, it lets you find more serious players. Like if they're they have a high level of commitment and a high level of ability to like you know be creative, yeah. Then you put them in your main game, whether that is yeah. Cyberpunk or Five E yeah. or whatever, because now you know them and you know how they play. And, and, and I think that's so beautiful to get like I don't know I've seen this where it's like you're playing D and D and you're kind of casually playing with a group of friends. And, you know, you want to kind of take D&D to a next level. And, like, you find that the friend of a friend is the one who's the most into it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, I don't know Daryl that well, <laughs> but, like, he loves this. And so I want him to be in my group. And, like, I found most of my, like, a ton of my friendships have been made through D&D 
through people that are friends of friends. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and, and yeah, like, like y- you could weed out the people and, and they're not going to be offended when they're like, okay, I get this. It's kind of a fun little da- dice rolling fun <laughs> thing, but like, I'm not into it. And there's the other people who are like, when do I get initiative again? Like, like there, you can you can just tell. Um, and those people are the type that are like, yeah, invest in, maybe make a more permanent great game with because yeah, there's a, there's a pretty easy and pretty harmless um, weeding out process. Yeah, in a way, it's almost but not quite like running an infinite one shot because mm-hmm. of the level of commitment. Mm-hmm. Right, like just well, drop in this week and try okay, it. Okay, you saying that is what scares me <laughs> about this whole thing. Okay, it's well, because one shots are non-committal. Just like I show up, I go, "What's up? My name's Randy. I smoke a cigarette and I shoot a <laughs> shotgun, and then I die." And I go, "What? Whatever," and I leave. Oh no! <laughs> Still role playing, Randy. I um, but <laughs> I, just I would not ask that guy even to play the game in the first place. No, I guess I. I this is all probably based on my ridiculous fears um, that are probably nonsensical, but but yeah, that's my fear is that that a one, or sorry, that a that an open table becomes a permanent one shot that we can't get enough of a uh, recurring cast for a recurring story. Mm. Address that fear, my friend. Um, <laughs> recurring cast. Well, so I'll talk about this a lot more uh, as we get to the end of the show about my experience with this, um, where instead of rotating out, players just are kind of piling in and, and everybody now wants into this this game. Um, so I essentially need to open up another night to play because I'm, I'm just feeling like the prettiest girl at the dance. Um well, but I haven't seen anybody. Are, my I haven't seen anybody come in and like, say, like, like grief the game. You know, like in video games, you can yeah. troll or you can grief. You're like killing yeah. your own team or whatever. Griefers in Red Dead, man, I just want to blow their brains out. I just, I haven't seen that happen. Um, <laughs> and even when players are like building characters, like I say, okay, here's a, a list of names to choose from. Like out of the back of this book, you have to choose one of these, unless I have a really good idea. Um, and so that way we're not like, hey, my name is like Randy, Shotgun Randy. You're like, no, sorry, this is. <laughs> The time of the Black Plague, there's no shotguns. <laughs> Can I be Beeble Jeebles, though? <laughs> I think this is a, you know, really good advice is because, like, there is this, um, I think all Dungeon Masters see the D&D green text uh, stuff from, like, 4chan ancient times of, like, like seeing Dungeons & Dragons stories told via 4chan of like these ridiculous stories of it's they're all just destroying the dungeon master's plans and, yeah. and just going off the rails and we're all afraid of that but that just in general especially if you have any part in picking the table generally never happens and you don't have to worry about what you say shotgun randy <laughs> <laughs> blowing the brains out of your npc that introduces everyone um and so, yeah, I think that's, that's generally a fear that is unfounded most of the time. But a lot of young, new Dungeon Masters, their whole experience is D&D from, like, kind of a hilarious meme perspective. Mm-hmm. And that, that's a big fear. I think <clears throat> I think the big thing is, like, picking your players and picking the right players is very important. If you want to have a serious campaign mm-hmm. and you want to have a closed table environment where a lot of the... 
the Mimi Green Tech stuff comes from, you know, like picking the wrong people to play into your table. Or playing with your friends. Yeah. Like we not all of your friends are good D and D yeah guess yeah because i know That's i know plenty of people hear. yeah who would who i like to hang out with who i don't see being able to like they wouldn't be able to play D very seriously if you know at all so yeah, i'm like me, me and will have a friend named david who's just like we can't do it <laughs> oh my it. god <laughs> <laughs> all right i'm out of here <laughs> laughing way I mean, too much come on hit Low and hanging sunk. fruit oh no <laughs> i should have saw it coming <laughs> i actually didn't see that coming like, neither did i just... this is uh <laughs> this is the end of me on the podcast <laughs> replacing you with shotgun randy <laughs> shotgun randy's here and he's here it's to stay just david with the cowboy hat and on. he just kills jake in the first episode <laughs> <laughs> How's that for ruining a game? <laughs> Jake is like really laughing. All right. Um, oh, well, so you mentioned like GMs fear players uh, who might derail their campaign or ruin their plans. And um, this weird thing about old school games is that there are no rails and there are no plans. Uh, it's completely player driven. And so, so for my table, what I'm doing is I'm running a published mega dungeon it's already completely made that comes with a built-in campaign setting so it's just like literally not copy and paste because I, I haven't started with anything original i've just completely taken it and that is what we're playing it's plug and play plug and play thanks dave um <laughs> and then we're playing a um a version of advanced or basic DD, also known as bx DD, um with some house rules from a publisher and the action is completely player driven and I literally do not prep for this game. And that was the main reason I wanted to do this is because uh, the open table solves two problems for me, which is I have about 20 people who are always asking to play in my game and I don't have the time to do that. And I don't have the time to prep for that because if I'm playing 5e, I have to prep at least one hour using um, the techniques we talked about in a previous episode, which are, that's really fast. Like an hour is not a long time, but it's still an hour I don't have. I work 70 or 80 hours a week. So that's just impossible, but I still want to get my game on. Um, the other thing is, yeah, so basically having no prep and having a large pool of players, this was a solution. And I, it's incredibly bizarre to me because I find myself week to week wondering what's going to happen next. We talked about this on a recent bonus episode about a total party kill that happened um, and I thought that we had the heroes yeah. of the story and they all died, which I've never seen happen before. Where, where can we hear that story at? Oh, and you can hear that story on our Patreon, which you can get to by typing in Vox Arcana Patreon into your favorite search engine. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Mine is Bing. <laughs> Mine is uh, Ask Jeeves. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is... Uh, DNS search dot backslash search. <laughs> oh, man. oh, Netscape Explorer. <laughs> All right, that's enough internet jokes. Um, Early, yeah. <clears throat> um, but my takeaway is that it's very easy to run this, and I okay. So when Gary Gygax and people are going to be mad. So when Dave Arneson showed Gary Gygax his game, Gary went off and made his own D&D &D game. And Gary was running D&D &D for 
between five and nine players. I think actually as high as 12 in some games. Oh, yeah. Every single night of the week. Yes. Which is insane. You, you put that many players and that many nights in front of any 5e dungeon master, like a regular person who's not named Jake Barton, and <laughs> they will buckle under that pressure. I, I tell you now, verily I say unto you, I could do that, assuming I had the time. I could run that game with this format right now. Wow. Because I don't have to make a single decision about a story or a villain or anything. It just goes. What do you think, Jake? So, I'm very, like, go whichever direction you want. It's very hard because I know my continent well enough that I have a rough idea no matter what. Um, My biggest fear is that, like, they go do whatever they want and, like, it, it works great. But, like, great is, like, probably a C-plus from me. You're saying Whereas, you don't have a lot of fun? No, no, no. Like, a C-plus as in they go, okay, let's go east. And they run across, you know, they run across a big uh, pyramid. They go in, they fight this, this big sphinx and all this, you know, kind of Egyptian-themed fun dungeon. And it's great. But, like, I'm making it all up as I go along. And so I, I would feel like I would nail it. So, so like like I said, like that's a C plus, but like I feel like it could be like an A minus to an A, maybe an A plus if I had like if they had been on more of a railroad. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? Right. So that's it sounds my fear. it sounds like you're assuming that you would have to make up like a location for them. And so that's the magic of the tentpole dungeon is I have a series of locations and I still use all the skills that we use for 5e, like plot hooks, NPCs and, and quests oh, and all these breadcrumbs. Okay. So let's Did say it like a grab bag. Um, I guess like I was shocked to see how well my skills that I've developed over the last decade have just rolled right into this format of game where it's like they're in the dungeon, they find a corpse and it has like a treasure map on it, like into the, the woods of Yggdrasil or whatever. And so we're like, yeah. oh my gosh, next session we need to go like explore that haunted wood. And I'm like, okay, great. So now I'm going to like prepare this thing, hoping that they go there. Yeah. But like they might not. Like all I have to do is prepare some content. I have to prepare nothing no in terms of additional content. plot hooks. Like maybe they go and they consult a sage in town to figure out like why is the forest haunted or something, um, which I might have to improvise or tweak whatever. But, no problem. But I'm not having to improvise large chunks of content, like an entire dungeon, because you already like if you know that there's a plot hook that's going to point there you might spend your time doing that so not, it's not to say that there is no prep required but i'm saying that so far i have had to prep not at all because the mega dungeon they're exploring is the central focus of the campaign and everything kind of hooks into it and pushes out of it okay so so let's get let's get real it it's not a sandbox it's not a head north south east or west campaign it's like you know do what you want in the in the dungeon then come out and then go back in if a sandbox means like an open world exploration where they're just like crawling over like terrain for the whole session and finding stuff then no it's not a sandbox in that sense it is a sandbox in the sense that it's completely player directed there are no rails to speak of oh man oh god we we, i mean there's a there's a whole delicious episode on that but yeah I, I, (laughs) i i can see i can see what you're saying there of like, like they can't just say I head north, but they, when they're in the session, there is complete sandbox control. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. But, well, it's like a sandbox in itself is like a like a small area 
a, like a pit of sand. It's like contained. It's not like an Sorry, endless. Sorry, I'm in a sand world. <laughs> <laughs> a world made of sand, David. <laughs> what is wrong with this? David is just like waiting for you to stop laughing. I don't even know how to. I don't know how to respond to that. I, I I, okay, sorry, sorry. I, I've heard so, someone say that before. If I go, oh, so this is a sandbox game. They're like, yeah, all sandboxes have enclosures, idiot. Oh my. Like, well, I. So it's like I, I want to no. say that in the sense of like, it's not like Minecraft or you know any sort of like infinitely like generating random scrolling world. There is like a clear world to def- that is defined that you can explore mm-hmm. and it's like it's self-contained and it has its limitations. But, you know, there's you can still do whatever you want. Case like, in point, Red Dead Redemption. There's or San a, Andreas in GTA. Any GTA game, you know, any Assassin's Creed game. Like there are clear missions, but it's up to you to, to like how to solve them. And you can just ignore the mission and go to you know Damascus. Yeah. 100% agree, but there are a lot of exceptionally delicious pre-programmed missions that cannot be pre-programmed if you just head south that's true right that's true and grand theft auto is like hey like go steal this car from this one certain place right and And, you can and not you cannot or you can find some weird way to like drive a motorcycle through the window and like whatever um and that's kind of coming back to combat as war which we've talked about a lot but that's that's my definition of a sandbox game in, in the sense of here's a vast defined world more and, or less and, and see I, I think all of this is coming from my fears of of a player just just being like okay we go north you know as opposed to most players being like okay this is our sandbox which you know as i made fun of david like like there is a legitimate like we don't we're not gonna okay this is a perfect example i think the players may go north but they won't go north for 300 miles. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So it's like y- you do have um, a a kind of a, a uh, you know, uh, way to box in the sandbox. Yeah. You could it's almost just like away. fold the corners in and turn it into a circle so that, you know, they're always in a... Some kind one, of globe? One, some kind of globe? Like, no matter what some direction you head? sort of time-space continuum? <laughs> um, um, so, it's interesting that you talk about heading 300 miles north, because the Alexandrian points out some uh, very crucial steps, because... Remember, we're playing catch with people who never played D&D. They are likely not going to say, yeah. I head 300 miles north. Um, that seems like something a D&D green text meme person would do. Or a person who's played D&D so much that they're now jaded by it and bored by it and probably shouldn't be playing it anymore. Right? Because there's some uh, people who are like that. Oh. They've been playing for 40 years and they're like, eh, I know everything or, you can do. No, not that they shouldn't play anymore. They should play a different kind of game. Right. And there's tons of really great role-playing games. Yes. But I have seen yes. people who just are so burnt out on D&D, like fantasy role-playing in general, that um, they, they tend to do stuff like that just to push the boundaries. But if we're yeah. talking about playing catch with new people, then um, there needs to be some... Uh, guidelines that will help your open table succeed and here are the guidelines taken from the alexandrian the first is quick character creation now i consider 5e to have pretty quick character creation honestly especially with D beyond you can do it in 10 minutes or so 
Uh, you just give the players the decisions they need to make, and then they make them, and you click, and everything's good, and you print. Um, however, compared to a first edition D&D character where you roll stats, and you get some weapons, and you're done, it takes five minutes when you're using paper. It's just so fast. Yeah, I, I, I'm in agreement. I would do the same thing in 5e, but just just only use the uh, characteristics instead of the... The skills? What do they call them? The skills. Yeah. So so just be like, okay, roll for this, and then you get this instead of the add your uh, proficiency bonus to each thing. Um, and like as the dungeon master, you can take on that work for them. To be like, okay, if they're rolling a uh, animal handling check, you can be like, okay, hey, I know their proficiency. I know their wisdom score. So just have them roll. So I think this is very important to be like as, as a dungeon master. And this is for an open table, a lot of new players. Um, I think this is your job. Like we should be honest about how with an open table – what do you think about this, Will? That there is a little bit more that you take on as a dungeon master? Um, I think if you're – depending on the system you're using, then uh, the DM obviously is smoothing things over. Even in the, the system I'm running, we use a lot of character templates. Um, so it's just sort of like, hey, you roll this character. Like you get your stats. You pick out a class and then you randomly roll a subclass and that comes with a kit of like um, – they're, yeah. called, they're called proficiencies in this game, but also equipment. And so the thing that takes the longest is writing down the equipment on the sheet, and then you're all done. So um, that's just the emphasis. He points out in the blog that there's something about the characters or the players rolling dice that makes them feel like they're already playing the game, which is this. Oh, that's great. Right. Point. It's like this connection you have now because you made these numbers and you wrote them down. Now they're it's part of it. Yeah. They're, they're, they're what the system is. Because you could hand out pre mades just like that. But then they have absolutely no context. They didn't walk through any process. Or yeah, it, it's kind of meaningless in a way. They have no connection. Yeah. Um, so that's the first one is quick character creation. Uh, next is he calls it easy access systems. And he has some definitions on what that means exactly. So an easy access system, he argues that, for instance, 3rd edition D&D is not a simple system, but it is easy access. You have to explain skill checks, combat actions, attack rolls, damage. In fact, I would say 5e is an easy system to learn, um, but it's basically we're saying use this instead of something like um, even uh, Star Wars Edge of the Empire with these dice. Like It's just how many things do you have to explain to players before they get everything. Yeah. There is this tendency in RPG games where you have to explain, let's say, 20 things before what a dice all of them make sense right you get numbers to... are scary <laughs> but at least they're numbers yes and so just you want something that's accessible to the average person off the street um like for instance we just played recently and we had a new girl who um has literally never played D in her life and we're explaining what an attack throw is what armor class is and uh, to me it still feels like there's a lot to explain even in the simplest, oldest version of D&D. Um, but she got it pretty quickly. So just, you know, keep it accessible. And that might come into like what Jake's saying about kind of editing or peeling away layers of complexity from like 5e, for instance, where you're saying, okay, we're not going to do skills um, and we're not going to do... Or grappling checks or yeah. Yeah, we're, like you don't explain all the combat uh, maneuvers until they do a combat. And then, you know, yeah. and then you're like, oh, well, actually, so in this next one, you could try, like, pushing them off this cliff, and here's how that works. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
yeah so just keep that in mind any thoughts jake yeah, uh, another thing just to add in quickly is um, something I've done for uh, uh, a wonderful Call of Cthulhu game is that um, you have pre-made character sheets uh, written in pen. And so uh, you, this works just as well for 5e. You have you know pre-written character sheets written in pen. And so whenever they do alterations with their pencil – you can go back and 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 use them again if you want to erase them all. Huh. Um, and I think that's a, a wonderful way to have pre-mades made for, especially if you have, we're talking about open tables, if you have like a big rotating cast or maybe you move to a new town and you have a lot of people that you're kind of, uh, I don't want to say recruiting, but like, you know, they're in the hopper. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. even worse <laughs> for for potentially to play in your games. Um, have all of these available. You know, have the very um, you know deliberately enraged uh, barbarian. You know, have the uh, very uh, orthodox paladin. Have the um, maybe more feminine sorcerer. Have like 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 get all of your cliches in order and make them all into characters, and then you can kind of just hand them out written in pen Mm -hmm. to your players and be like, Hey, pick what you want. Um, and I, at this point, I would not even fill out the skills, just the, uh, strength, dex, uh, constitution, intellect, wisdom, charisma. That's it. I like that a lot. And so you have the name because a lot of people are like, Oh my gosh, what do I name my half elf? Be like, Hey, sorry, you're a full elf, a high elf, uh, named, Shaktek, the storm sorcerer. You know, it's like sorry, like this is what you are, and and like most people, I think there is a certain group of people that is like crazy creative and are like, I want to be Gazuntite, the 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 crazy gnome, <laughs> artificer, oh, right? <laughs> but most people are like, if you hand them a gnome that says you are, um, Grizzly storm half hand, the storm sorcerer, you're gonna be fine. They're going to get it. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's that's really um, j- j- honestly just lowering the barrier of entry, especially for groups, especially if you're doing this kind of open type of thing. You know, people might be showing up. They might be inebriated. There might be this kind of like give and take thing. You want the, the, the boarding ramp onto D&D to be as smooth as possible. Right. And as fast as possible because you might yes. be only playing for two hours. Um, I think my games are running for three. And without yeah. fail this in this uh, game. For we... first times, I, I've found that most like if, if you have a group of six people who have never played D&D, that's like a 30 minute session. Exactly. And you have to catch them right there. And so, yeah, you have to really um, know what the kind of onboard, offboard type of thing of your open party is. Um, but, yeah, there is a kind of a, a very um, short attention span of what D&D is. Um, and it has to be like a dragon is snarling and trying to bite you. And you see this very, you know, shy guy in the back who's like, oh, I, um, I, I attack. <laughs> you know, like I, I draw my, my sword and, and pull my shield up. Like, that's the kind of thing you're like, oh, yes, like you're catching the people off guard and you, you have to hook them really quickly. Um, and Don't feel as a dungeon master any pressure to do that, especially if you have an open table. Um, but there should be like a a fun zinger, a fun like kind of magnetic 
um thing about Dungeons and Dragons. It shouldn't be like a okay, you roll dice for thirty minutes, should be this kind of magnetic thing that's automatic. Right. And I think that's important. And so um, he says you can use pre-mades, like Jake's suggesting. And I think in a, I would say it's a little, actually it's a lot heavier than OD&D. Uh, 5e would thrive on this, where it's like, hey, look, you're like the sorcerer. Now come up with a name and a background for your guy. And they're like, okay. Um, and you're like the mighty barbarian from the jungles of Cholt. And you're like, oh, right. Rock and roll. Um, <laughs> and then putting them right into an adventure where they're immediately in. Um, yeah. This is just going to grab them. Uh, the next thing we have is what he, uh, the Alexandrine calls open group formation. Open group formation is all about making sure that the narrative context of your game is, matches with the style of the game you're playing. In this case, it would be um, a group of random mercenary idiots are going to go into this terrifying dungeon to get treasure. And of course, like as they die and they hire more people, this group is kind of changing all the time. And maybe it's a completely different group one of these times. Like there's no common member, but they have a common goal and a common task. And so like Mm. if you're running Star Wars, let's say, maybe you play as operatives in some kind of like mercenary guild and you're just kind of like randomly assembled by your handlers. You're like, hey, here's your team this week. Go out and like, you know, raid this vault on Omicron Persei 8. Okay, okay. I, I think this is why I really value missions where it's snatch and grab or like you do this, then come back and do this. And so it kind of sets the tone for the length um, each week. Yeah. Where you're like, okay, we got to do this and then come back and do this. Like none of this will matter unless we retrieve the thing and bring it back, you know, bring the bounty back or whatever. Um, and I think this adds to the validity of an open table game is because it makes so much more sense if you can go, okay, go out and do this, get it done, come back, and then you can replace your team members. It's so much harder if you're deep in the jungle and you switch out six people. It's like, <laughs> wait, how did the- – Right, yeah. this is the ship of Theseus. <laughs> Where did these guys come from? <laughs> no original party members remain. But then the next week, three of them come back and you're like, no, this like the story this doesn't hold up. Wait a second. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that's especially if you're doing kind of – I don't want to say – I don't want to like put my group on a pedestal of like, okay, you should try to get to a weekly same person every week game. But in the kind of – I don't want to say tryout phase, it should be like, okay, you start here, you do your thing, and you try to get back here. And that's the kind of the like, like cycle of the campaign or the cycle of each session. Um, and that, that kind of, I don't know, I think that's a good way of like having a kind of concrete way of like, okay, you get your mission from here, you go out and do your thing and you have to bring it back here. Yes. I think it's a really cool way of like making it very easy to have like, okay, who's into this and who's not. And also easily switch in people and, and yeah. Hmm. It's funny that you, you're talking a lot about goals because our next point is default goal i've run DD for a lot of people over the years especially a lot of new people and so often the first question they ask is what do i do or what am i supposed to do yeah and you're like what's the point <laughs> um mike shea i think i mentioned this on another podcast he was playing with this group and it, um, it was a female gm if that matters to you and um they were all just sitting around the table and there was there's no plot hooks nothing has been given to them and they look at her and she says start role-playing <laughs> and they're like 
okay. Like, and they just started role-playing. I've done that to my players. <laughs> and it's like, what do I do? Yeah. Like, I don't know anything about the world or about the situation. Um, and now you just have to, like, just make it up. And that's really Yeah, not... if you have no context, that's nuts. And if you've but... got a room full of improvers, they'll be fine. If you've got a room full <laughs> of just regular people who've never played, they need a little more guidance. Why'd you bring your grandma in here, buddy? <laughs> um, she's your grandma, too, pal. <laughs> What'd you say about me, mister? <laughs> oh, yes, and the route is all improv. Um, yeah, so we're talking about default goal, and all that means is that there's a very clear goal for everyone in this mission, whether that is in this Star Wars heist game to go to the, the ruined Sith temple and recover the, what's it called, the holocron? Holocron. Yeah, um, oh, yes. Or yes. if we're talking D&D, like go into the dungeon and just get a bunch of treasure. Like, everybody loves treasure. And in the older games, gold is king. It's the most important thing you can possibly do. I think do. for new players, making it even simpler, yeah, making a MacGuffin. It'd be like, you yeah. have to get the mega crystal, the rainbow crystal of Ganesh um, that will uh, deplete the waterfall of, of all-knowing. <laughs> like, that it is, you know, that's something, like, get it. Like, there has to be a, like you said, default goal of we get this. We, we take the ring to Mordor sort of scenario because that's what people get. There's the MacGuffin. It makes sense. You get it. You bring it back. You destroy it. You recreate it, whatever. Yeah, I, I think this is so hard. You have um, to provide a hard. holy grail. Yes, exactly. You, you have to provide a holy grail. You can't just be like, okay, you guys are in the jungle and there's a lot of velociraptors somewhere around the jungle and there's a bunch of gold somewhere in the hills. Like that hmm. to me is super exciting, what? but to people hmm. who haven't played D anD D before, that's horrifying. Okay, so here, so actually, the Alexandrian disagrees with you very specifically on this. Oh. He says, uh, for an open table, it is particularly effective that your default goal is holographic, non-specific, and non-interdependent. And what he means by holographic is that you can achieve some part of the goal and still feel like you had a complete experience. Oh, okay, yeah, hundred percent agree with and that. And so, if you're like having to get this MacGuffin, like the the return the crystal eye to the statue and say Jumanji, um, <laughs> which I just watched. I mean, that's good. That's good. That's fun. That's but, good. But how do you do that week to week? And how like if you complete no. only a part of it, then you don't feel a sense of accomplishment. Oh, that's very interesting, Will, because I'm viewing this open table as a freaking tryout for my permanent table. Well, so this is mm. very interesting. Like, I'm viewing this as like, oh, I'm getting the good people to try to figure out something so I can make a permanent table. But, like, if there is a constant shifting table, it's a different story. Exactly. Yeah, then you don't want to have some sort of, like, that oh, singular MacGuffin that no longer works. That's very... Wow. Yeah, I I, I don't know then. <laughs> All right, so the next after holographic is non-specific, which means... Because it's a non-specific goal, that means it's not like a rerun. So if it's a MacGuffin, like then every week everybody's getting the haunted statue of Lakesh. Um, but then if like one or two players from the last week are also there, like didn't we get the statue last week? One of the Infinity Stones. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, there's an infinite amount of them. Right. Then you're just playing like World of Warcraft and you're just like killing the same bosses over and over. And that's kind a of... A lot of people pay a lot of money to play World of Warcraft though. Right. But so you want your content here to be non-specific in the sense of like, we're going to go into this dungeon. We're going to def- like 
this group is going to find this part of we're going to map this part of the dungeon or we're going to get down to this so, level. Okay, okay. So, will I want your input um of why so I'm viewing this whole scenario as like okay, this is kind of a basic on-ramp onto my A-list D&D weekly session. Whereas you have an open party, what's the difference? So it sounds like you want to run a targeted one shot with a group of newcomers. It's tryouts. It's as a tryout. The, Maybe yeah. you would run it like as a three shot or something. But yeah, you run a be, few times with a few. Yours would be people. highly structured, um, made to demo players more than to run an ongoing easy campaign. That's what I'm hearing. Huh. So so what is the what makes this different than a tryout? How do you make this so I'm seeing an on ramp for a a permanent weekly session, but you're seeing an on ramp for fun D and D every week with random people. Right. What is that? So, an open table has some pros and cons. With one of the pros being that this is a low effort and actually a very fun game you can run perpetually um, with people, no matter hmm. how many people are available that week. The con yeah. of that is that you're going to have, I would say, an overall shallower and more repetitive gaming experience than like a 5e game with a highly crafted story and arcs and all this stuff yeah there has to be a compromise Mm -hmm. you're gonna lose that in the area of like story and you know continuity and a continual like nature and investment from players because you're trading people out every week right and you're not able to have those big MacGuffins to chase after because you have to settle for you know lesser, more abstract goals. Mm-hmm. So, what remind me your question one more time, Jake? No, that was basically it. It was describing the difference of like this being a tryout for the regular game compared to like no, this being the the perpetual game. So, I'm I'm just right now very okay with a perpetual game. If you were doing something like oh, I've got a short window, I've got to fill in like two or three slots for my big game. Um, you could do that. What I'm thinking is that from this type of table, you could be like, because so I have, I'm a big spreadsheet person. Um, even scheduling this, I wrote out a list of all the people I want to invite, and I wrote out all the days of the week, and then I, I texted all of them, and, and depending on their response, I categorized them so I can look at any day of the week and see when they're available, which is great. Dang. Um, it's just easy, right? Like now I have all this data all the time. Um, you might sort your players out by like maybe these players are more self directed so i'm going to give them more like i have an open world i heard stealth <laughs> stealth directed. Um, they're more stealthy maybe these players would be better in, in this campaign idea i have for like a hacker sci-fi game or this this small subsection could be like my open world exploration game or these people are more improvers so you now have all this information you're getting because you're just constantly playing with new players yeah. Like Facebook, he's just harvesting his players for oh. data. <laughs> Will the harvester, I mean, come on. That's what they call it, Yeah. Following up from the default goal, which is just apparently get a bunch of treasure or get the data out of the server or um, whatever. Um, it's good to have a default action. And this is going back to, once again, what do I do? In a dungeon, you go north, south, east, west. And you get, uh, you know, you get a little more information. You get another situation to interact with. It's very granular and it's very easy. And predictable because they'll they can't go through a dungeon wall 
uh, until they get flushed to stone or whatever. Um, <laughs> but normally they can't go through walls. It's directed. And so having that default action is like, um, I'm going to open the door or I'm going to swing my sword. It helps players understand that this game does have some structure. Unlike, because when you go to the far out ends of like role playing, like uh, Invisible Sun, let's say, where they, like when you make your character, you define what you do that gets you XP. Like it's super intense, um, but very great for people who know role playing. But for newbies, they're like, I don't even know what to do. Like, mm. do I? How do I talk to a shopkeeper? How do yeah. I steal something? It's just like, no, my action is to go south, open door, talk to orc, get ye flask, and so on. Yeah. Uh, the last thing, and this is my most uh, favorite part of it, because it lets. This is the reason I get to play D anD. With my busy schedule, is what he calls regenerative or extensible content, and so a mega dungeon is this, where I have a static dungeon. Well, apparently static. Players move through it. I roll on a few tables um, before the next session, restock it, however, and you just keep reusing it. This is how Gary Gygax was able to run the game every night of the week for so many people. It's because he doesn't have to really do anything. I have random tables to generate monsters and treasure and you know hits. Um, and market values and henchmen and whatever. I don't have to think about almost anything. I just keep reusing content over and over and over again. Oh, I love it. I love it. So I, I guess my kind of more final question to you is how do you not so, – so if this is a truly open table, right, you want anyone to show up, um to to join in on the the glee and joy that is D. how do you make it not alienating to people who are like okay i'm joining in this is great um oh we're on session six what like like how do you um you know join the gap of people who are worried that like okay i'm joining in late in this this trajectory um how do you make them aware that this is an open campaign so that just comes down to being upfront with them and so i have like this default message that's kind of um the elevator pitch of here's the campaign setting here is what you're going to be doing in the game here is the fact that it's drop in drop out you might not play with the same players twice um i just it's up front and th there's no such thing as session six or 20 or whatever it's just we're playing this Whoa! week <laughs> yeah that's that's something that yeah, that, that is a huge difference for mine. It's like if someone joins in on session 12, it's like, okay, yeah, this Balrog, it tried to defeat them, but then the blah, blah, blah. And then this this bronze dragon dove into the mountain at this point. Like there's kind of like this, okay, right, it's like, welcome to the party. It's like sitting down history. Yeah, at the TV show <laughs> like or halfway through a movie. Your, yeah, your game, wow. Jake, is like narrative. It's like Game of Thrones, and Will's running like you know, like the Tonight Show, or or, or actually, or GTA Online or something, <laughs> or, or oh, you no, know, like both, a weekly like episodic, yeah. like you know, it just takes place in the moment and you know the current events, and it's not tied to anything that happened before yeah. or in the future. No, that's true. You don't need to watch any previous episodes of any late night talk show yep. to watch the latest one. Yep, and and have a great good time. Exactly, anybody can have a good time. Whereas you don't necessarily just want to jump into any episode of Game of Thrones. True. That's a yeah. That's a good point. Like I, if someone says I'm sick, I can't go. Hey, David, you want to play in our game as this character? Yeah. Like I'd be like, okay, hey, here's a PDF document of what's <laughs> oh happened over the past 250 years. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wow. Okay. This, yeah, this is really, this has been really interesting for me because I've been, um, yeah, I've just been, you know, obviously really blessed by the kind of continual nature of my, my group. Um, but seeing the beautiful democracy of an open table has really been incredible to me. Um, and really enticing to, to where I'd love to almost like, um, go to a game store and be like, Hey, I want to start a, start a game Mm -hmm. and just like get a random group of five, you know, four or five people and and see, this is super exciting for me because there is no history there. There is no, right. It's literally take these dice and here's your character sheet. Yeah. And then we'll start playing. And really I've been in, in such a community since being integrated into the Dungeons and Dragons, uh, role-playing, you know, tabletop role-playing experience that I have never, got to experience that kind of very open democratic exciting um communal collaborative experience and so i have i have a renewed interest in it mm-hmm. and i'm excited yeah i definitely want to get you and david in i'll probably run an online game or something because i just like i need you to see like what this game feels like because it's going to be very different but in some ways very similar to what you're used to yeah um i had a thought oh so an open table format actually works very well if you were to run D&D in an after school program or uh, in a game store. Yes. Like you said. Hunt, yes. Because you don't know who you're getting that week. Like, hey, we have, let's say, six slots free at my table. Um, whoever shows up or signs up comes. Um, and here we go. So it, there definitely is um, a time and a place. But as I mentioned at the front of the show, this solves some serious problems for me because I'm just not able to play in a normal format with that kind of commitment, especially since most yeah. of my friends are so busy. Um, you can't have that consistency. Like if I was 16, it'd be different, but I'm not. So here we are. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. It's yeah, it's a different world. And Oh, I, I've been, ex- yeah, this has been really interesting to have my eyes open to it. Well, Christmas break's coming up. So maybe we'll uh, make it happen. <sighs> oh boy. Thank you for listening to Vox Arcana, episode 56. I'm William. I'm Jake. And I'm David. We'll see you next time.